Blog Talk Radio. Backyard Poultry with a Chicken Whisperer radio show brought to you by Combox Feeds, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. Check them out online, all of their wonderful products. Hey, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Our topic today is incubator readiness. It's hatch season. I know a lot of you hatch year-round, but it is hatch season. We're going to do a quick review uh, from last week, and then we'll get into the topic of incubator readiness. Are you ready to start hatching out some fluffy butts, people call them? All righty, I know you are. Hey, we'll get started with the show right after this short break, so stay with us. There's more to come with the Chicken Doctor. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. 
But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Sorry about that little dead air time. I was trying to get a cough drop in my uh, mouth so I wouldn't uh, cough into the microphone uh, repeatedly. So, um, uh, but yeah, doing doing well. Hey, I've got huge news. Um, as you know, we've given away more chicken coops than anybody on the planet, um, period. You can challenge that, but it's not going to happen. I've <laughs> um, been doing this for six years, and we have launched another ultimate chicken coop contest for the month of February. The list of prizes are absolutely awesome. <laughs> and um, I have all the details on how to enter the contest over on our Facebook page. If you're uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash uh, the chicken whisperer. But if you're not, I'm going to tell you how to enter right now while we wait for Peter Brown, chicken doctor, to call in and get ready with our uh, topic today. So uh, no worries. The February Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest has officially begun. The grand prize winner, brand new round top chicken coop from Urban Coop Company. Many other prizes will also be given away, including, of course, the grand prize, a round top chicken coop. First prize, GQF Hovabater Incubator. Second prize, a Brency EcoGlow Brooder Heater. Third prize, Sweeter Heater Coop Heater. Fourth prize, Chicken Fountain Watering System. Fifth prize, Peck and Play Mobile Chicken Run. Sixth prize, Foul Play Products Chicken Swing. And seventh prize, a one-year print subscription to Chicken Whisperer Magazine. And I'm currently talking with Kalmbach Feeds about coming on board for this February Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest and we're working up some type of uh, feed prize to what will go along as as well. So there will be, I'm sure, a couple of other prizes added to the pot. Uh, we may be adding one of the uh, Bright Tap Chick feeders to this. I've got an email out to them. And, uh, and again, Kalmbach Feeds, our new um, our premier sponsor, they uh, were talking with them about uh, getting some food offered up for the grand prize winner who wins the uh, the coop. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Um, how to enter. Okay, let me tell you guys how to enter. Now that you have all the prizes, <laughs> and I've wet your whistle there a little bit, to enter, send an email with your name, shipping address, and phone number to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Okay. So you're going to send an email to contestforward.com. In the email itself, you need to include your name, 
your shipping address, and your phone number. Okay. Go ahead and put Coop Contest in the subject line of the email. Okay. Only one entry per person per email address. If you enter more than once, you will be disqualified. Prizes shipped to the lower 48 states only. Contest started at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 1st, 2015, and ends at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 28th, 2015. Winners will be selected by random drawing. Winners will be contacted via email and telephone on March 2nd, 2015. No purchase necessary to enter. Contest is not associated with Facebook in any way. Good luck. So that's how you enter for a chance to win um, some of those awesome prizes that we've got, and we'll be adding to that, I'm sure, uh, as the month goes on. So, and it looks like, oh, by the way, you'll have another way, another chance to win a coup because when the spring issue, when the spring issue of Chicken Whisper magazine is officially released and uh, mailed out and, uh, and sent to you via email if you uh, subscribe to the digital edition, there'll be a contest in the magazine where you can win a brand new chicken coop as well. That contest sponsored by Woodtex Products. So another way to win. And of course next I think March, I'm pretty sure, we have another Facebook coop contest. Um we have them quite a bit. Like I said, more than anybody on the planet. And we love it and y'all love it. And so um thanks to all of our sponsors that make these contests um available to all of you guys. So Gotta love it. So thanks for tuning in today. We do appreciate it. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. He is joining us now. Let's give him a big round of applause. All righty, Peter. Thanks for joining us today. We do appreciate it. Hey, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, hanging in there. Um, you know, everybody who had surgery knows that each day gets a little bit better. That's exactly what I'm finding out. Um, the the cough is getting a little bit better, believe it or not. So uh, that's good. I think I'm on the upswing from that. I don't know if that's from surgery or um, I haven't really been anywhere um, so to catch anything. So maybe just lingering from uh, post-surgery or pre-surgery may still be that lingering cough that I got um, when my cousin decided to bring all of her sick family <laughs> to our family gathering, uh, knowing you know, farewell that her entire family was sick, but she didn't care. She just brought them anyway. So five people got sick because of that, other than her sick family. So it's just one of those things. Let's make some good choices, people. So um, so I'm, I think I'm on the upswing. I think tomorrow we should be uh, completely finished. So, uh, But other than that, it's all water under the bridge. Hope you're doing well. Uh, incubator readiness. Uh, I know you're going to review a little bit uh, from last show. Um uh, as far as uh, preparing your breeders for spring, but also I know we're looking forward to incubator red readiness for all those folks that start pulling them out of the attic and pulling them out of the basement, pulling them out of the shed, getting ready for a uh, uh, hatch season. I know people hatch year-round. I get it. I understand that. But uh, just like everything else, I think the majority uh, will start uh, uh, about now and uh, in the next few weeks starting to put some eggs in the incubator. So it is a timely topic, and I'll turn it over to you so people don't have to listen to me cough and gag. I'll monitor the chat room. If we have any questions or if I have any, I'll um, chime in and ask those. But other than that, I'll turn it over to you, my friend. Yeah, we'll just go uh, through a quick uh, rundown of, uh, <clears throat> of what we did last week so that uh, mm -hmm. for those that may not have tuned in or been listening mm -hmm. and didn't have an opportunity, just uh, quickly go over a few things uh, as far as, you know, what, what we should do uh, getting our breeding stock ready because they're really the essential kingpin uh, linchpin to this whole thing. Without uh, good breeding stock, you don't get good chicks. Without good chicks, you don't get healthy chicks. And poor quality birds, birds that don't thrive, all those things that we see all over the Internet and every other place. Um, so I'm a firm believer you know, in trying to take care of all of the things that you can uh, to maximize your, your effort. I mean, if you're going to go through all this trouble of raising uh, breeding stock and <clears throat> collecting eggs and hatching them and uh, the expense of doing such, uh, you might as well get the maximum out of it that you can. And I think in a lot of instances people um, are under the uh, impression that you just take a couple of chickens, throw them in the backyard, and every now and then throw some food and water out there and, and everything's good. And really, uh, for the most part, if you want good quality birds, it doesn't work that way. So um, 
you know, last last week we went over the fact of uh, checking birds uh, for uh, coccidiosis, uh, possibly even treating them for coccidiosis, which I would probably do anyway, uh, from my from my perspective. Uh, you know, giving the bird a good uh, each and every bird, pick them up, every one of them, uh, handle them, uh, look them over, look in their eyes, look in their ears, look in their nose, the nasal cleft in the mouth, uh, down the back of the throat, and what we were looking for in those areas or any growths that don't belong there. Uh, these uh, yellow buttons in the mouth that are attached to the mouth tissue generally end up being canker, uh, and that's a problem you want to get rid of uh, or get under control just as quick as you can. Uh, some oxine in the water, uh, some iodine applied directly to the, the lesion itself, and then um, um, some uh, canker tablets uh, would be uh, uh, warranted at that point. One of the reasons you want to get it <coughs> straightened out uh, early on is that uh, it can be devastating, uh, it can kill your birds, it can spread very easily from bird to bird uh, through contaminated feed and water. Uh, so a bird that has canker, it's a protozoa. Uh, it's not covered by your standard anti-protozoa such as uh, Amprol, Corid, Sulmet, Sulfadimethoxine, uh, or any of those uh, type of drugs. So you're going to want to get that under control. Um, any respiratory condition, uh, I uh, said to take the mouth, close it, put your fingers over the nostrils, uh, and if you see some uh, real fine bubbles showing up in the corner of the eyes, uh, you more than likely are, have the beginning of a uh, upper respiratory issue, and you may want to take care of that as, as well at the same time. Uh, so you, your choice of antibiotics there, I like to start at the bottom uh, and work my way up if, if I were going to, to medicate, and I'd probably start out with some Oxytet in the drinking water. Uh, for the uh, coccidiosis, uh, either choice, Amprol, uh, Corid, uh, Sulfadimethoxine, those that love Sulmet, go ahead and use it. I don't, um, and uh, I don't recommend it, but a lot, a lot of people like it. A lot of people have had good success with it, but I can show you for every one that's had success with it, I can show you at least one, maybe two, uh, that have had uh, adverse effects from it. And uh, Dr. Bridget McRae can uh, speak to that aspect of it as well. She's uh, well-versed in it as well. She's had some people uh, in her neck of the woods that have used it and used it according to the label directions and just had horrendous problems with it. So uh, you're going to want to check those things. You want to check the overall condition of the bird. Um, you're going to put these birds together. You want to make sure that you're going to get the maximum out of them. You want to make sure that the birds have uh, got good body weight. Uh, you want to check the droppings for worms be a good time to go through and worm at the same time as a precautionary thing. And one of the reasons we want to get all these things done is that once they start uh, pumping out eggs for you, you don't want to be picking them up, handling them, knocking them around, shoving things down their throat and so on, uh, upset that egg production. And so, you know, you're going to want to get all of this stuff um, straightened out and, you know, and uh, uh, get rid of it before you, you, you put them together. And then I always recommend at the same time when you do put them together some uh, uh, vitamins, electrolytes, and stuff in the water uh, for the first 14 days prior to putting them together and then about every uh, third day or so after that uh, as a supplement to birds that are high producing and you're asking them to give you your best quality eggs and the best quality chicks that you can get and some of this will help to ensure uh, that those problems uh, stay away from uh, your breeding pen. Uh, last but not least, um, you want to uh, at least make sure that when you're handling these birds and you pick them up, uh, you want to look for lice, mites, and those kinds of things. And we went over a whole slew of things that you could use. And I'll just run down them real quick. Uh, we talked about using uh, the 10% uh, permethrin. We talked about using the Elector. We talked about Frontline. We talked about Ivamectin uh, and several of those different products. The uh, Poultry Protector product, for those that are not interested in using chemicals, it's an effective product. Uh, it doesn't work as quickly as some of the others. So you have to be a little more patient. Uh, but all of those are basically... Uh, products that are being used out there. I didn't list them in any particular order. Uh, they're up to the, uh, the individual. I did talk about the Electra product being one of the newer ones on the market and uh, the one that would have the least chance of resistance uh, to the uh, insects, the, the lice, uh, the mites, and, and so on. And um, uh, the reason for that is that it, it works at two different receptor sites than do the standard uh, permethrin, malathion, 7, uh, ivermectin, uh, fipronil, which would be the front line, and so on. And so it doesn't build uh, or wouldn't build uh, resistance to uh, to the mites as quickly as some of the others. I talked about using these things in a rotational program uh, to get longevity out of the product so that you don't build resistance. So 
So maybe every couple of months you would rotate things around. And I know people like when they get stuck on something that's working, you don't like to upset the apple cart. But I also talked about the fact that getting control of these insects when they're on your birds, it's a two-pronged approach, and that is to uh, make sure that you uh, uh, do the premise and the bird at the same time. And we talked about mixing some of these products up and dipping them in it. Uh, you can go back and listen to the show and get all that information. And I think a show or so before that, we did one strictly on a review of mites and so on and so forth, uh, a red mite, uh, um, scaly leg mite, and uh, you know northern fowl mite and, and lice and, and all that kind of stuff. So, <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me. So that's kind of a little review of what we did last week and um, some of the other things you can do for your birds. Uh, this might be time to trim the nails up a little bit, maybe a little beak trimming uh, so they don't uh, really tear up these hens. Uh, you might want to do some vent feather trimming at, at the same time. Uh, make sure there's plenty of calcium out. Uh, if you want to put uh, some extra grit out for the birds, uh, that would be fine. But you don't need to overdo it. Just uh, give free choice access to either one of those. And uh, I think if you know all things being equal, when you get all these things straight, I think you have a great breeding season. If you've got good birds, uh, uh, they'll give you good uh, hatching eggs, good quality eggs, and then you should be able to get good quality chicks uh, out of those. So we'll leave that there for now, <clears throat> and then um, uh, move on to the incubation process as far as the um, tuning up your incubator, so to speak. And uh, this is one I deal with quite a bit. Uh, the agony of of, of tragedy uh, when the incubator quits, um, or you've been out for the day at work and you come home and it's uh, spiked at 110, and it's, you don't know how long it's been that way. It was fine when you left at seven in the morning, but here it is seven o'clock at night and it's 105, and it's uh, you uh, you know you've had this incubator for five, six, seven years, never given you any trouble. But on the other hand, most people have never done anything to their incubators either. And therein generally, you know, lies uh, the the problem. Um, I see people talking about turning it on 24 hours before they're going to put eggs in it, and and uh, and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I would probably, uh, from my perspective, uh, things that I've done in the past, uh, I would suggest uh, maybe turning it on the week before, give it an opportunity to show itself, um, and uh, see how the temperature fluctuates uh, within the, within the incubator itself. <clears throat> But all of these things you're going to want to check, um, the, uh, especially the styrofoam incubators. Uh, I think it would make sense. Uh, it always did to me anyway. Um, the thermostat unit, you can buy the whole unit and keep it as a separate unit. Uh, you may never ever use it, but then again, you can always resell it to somebody else if you move up to a different incubator. The biggest problem uh, with all of these things is that when something goes wrong, having the parts on hand uh, is uh, uh, something that most people don't do. Uh, but there are two things. If you don't want to get the whole thermostat unit, and they're not overly expensive for your uh, hoverbaiters, but uh, certainly I would consider uh, the snap switch, which is not usually too expensive. I believe they run somewhere around 5 or $6, maybe a little bit more, and an incubator uh, thermostat wafer. <clears throat> they're made in, out of brass. Uh, they're also made in China. Uh, there's no uh, other way around it. There is no other manufacturer of them at this point in time. And so uh, they have a tendency to leak. Uh, they're filled with ether, uh, and their design is to be a bellows, so they, they uh, expand and contract with the heat. And when it uh, expands <coughs> with the heat, it will tap the, uh, the micro switch that controls the electrical current, and that will shut off the, uh, the, uh, the heating elements uh, for the moment until the uh, incubator again calls for heat. Well, when that thing leaks out that ether, unbeknownst to you, uh, it's not going to work the way you want it to. And there are going to be issues with it. Uh, uh, more than likely, um, it's not going to respond when it's calling for heat, and then they're, they're going to end up cold. <clears throat> and if the micro switch fails, uh, it could go the other way around and end up having uh, these uh, huge temperature spikes. So a couple of things I would look at um, right off the bat. I would uh, you know, look at uh, the, uh, the wafer, consider how long you've had it, you know, if you want to continue to use the one that's in there, but uh, have a spare, okay? The same thing with the micro switch. I don't see a point in switching it out every year, but if you don't have one on hand... Uh, They're not very expensive, right? Uh, no, I, I think uh, the, uh, the the wafers that we've we've got now, uh, they just you know they just went up in price. I think they're somewhere around nine, ten bucks a piece. Uh, the uh, 
snaps which I don't carry in stock, <clears throat> only because when I did, they sat around for years, and I just figured it was easier to uh, to tell people they could go to the manufacturer's website and buy it just as easy as they could from anybody else. And um, uh, but you know, those are the two critical things uh, as far as the uh, main operation of of the incubator, or basically any incubator, is the, the thermostat system. Uh, controlling, you know, the, basically the hot and cold aspect of it. You can live, for the most part, uh, you know, if a fan goes out and you don't have the air circulating. Um, you know, there there are things you could you could uh, you could do along those lines, but uh, even those are not that expensive. Um, uh, you know, the 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 fan unit it, itself. But <clears throat> all of these things, you know, they need to be checked out. They should have been cleaned prior to being put away for the season. Um, you know, one of the first things you want to do, uh, besides checking the, the incubator out mechanically, is certainly clean it up, uh, disinfect it, uh, wipe it all down, dry it, and make sure you should be keeping it in a, in a stable environment in the first place. This is not something, um, um, from from my perspective, that I would want to uh, shove out in the shed where the temperatures are uh, are crazy uh, day and uh, night around the year. You know, hot, cold, hot, cold. Uh, uh, you know. Um, High humidity, low humidity, uh, you know, freezing temperatures, hot temperatures—all uh, of these things are, are not conducive to uh, uh, to these kinds of, of instruments. They really are a, a sensitive uh, uh, unit that should be, uh, you know, treated with a little bit more care uh, than that. And I know there are folks out there that do it all the time. Yep, yep, yep. They throw theirs in the basement like it's a piece of junk, and they get it out in the spring, and everything works, and they've never had it bite them. But there have been quite a few people. In the last few months and over the years, Facebook and other places, because they call me, you know, looking for the parts or looking for advice now that the eggs are cooked or, or whatever. So um, those are some of the things: the fan, uh, the uh, the wafer itself, the uh, the snap switch is what it's called. It's just a little micro micro switch, but it's 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 a critical component of shutting the heat on and on and off. Um, Obviously, the other thing you want to do is you want to make sure that the fan that you uh, have in your incubator, uh, and this goes for whether it's a, uh, a hoverbator or, or a Sportsman or, or a Dickies or any of those bigger incubators, really doesn't matter. Size doesn't matter here. They're all basically built around the same premise of a thermostat uh, and a, uh, a fan um, and an interning unit, okay? And some of them, uh, a little bit more fancy, have a little so- more sophisticated uh, humidity system. But So you're going to want to make sure that fan operates, uh, as soon as you uh, plug it in, that it turns on immediately. It, it doesn't uh, dawdle around and, and uh, take time to get up to speed. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, this fan uh, is up to speed, okay? And uh, the, ba- the only way you'd probably know that is if you've ever checked it before uh, and seen what a fan that is up to speed looks like and how it sounds. Uh, and so, you know, when you turn it on, listen for these sounds, uh, uh, a bad bearing in, in the fan uh, motor shaft, uh, and, and that kind of thing, uh, because all of that will lead to a, a poor hatch. Uh, <clears throat> what the fan, the lack of a fan will do is allow the buildup of a higher temperature uh, in between the eggs and cause embryo mortality. Uh, the whole idea of keeping the air moving uh, in the incubator uh, is to keep the airflow as even as you can from the top to the bottom to the side to the middle and between each and every egg in the incubator. So that's one of the reasons why, when you look at the design of the Brincy incubators, um, that um, uh, the design of that incubator is so that the air goes down around and comes back up through, and when it comes back up through, it evens out the temperature all the way around. But technically, in the, in the Brincy incubators, one of the reasons why they hatch so well is that the incubator temperature in between the eggs is even all the way around, no, no real hot spots, okay? Whereas when you take a box square, rectangular, whichever, and you have a fan, uh, all areas of that incubator are not being uh, circulated as evenly as other parts because of the design of it. So if a fan is blowing, uh, whether it's blowing from front to back or back to front, it really doesn't matter, or top to bottom, uh, it's still blowing and hitting the back the back wall, and you're hoping that the vortex of air coming off of that is going to circulate the way it's supposed to. And it does for the most part. It does a reasonable job as far as the uh, the hoverbaters are concerned, but if you took a uh, a, a, a well-operated Brincy and you took a 
a, a hover baiter, you're going to see a, a larger percentage of hatch on average uh, from the uh, from the Brincy, but you're also going to pay a lot more money for it. Okay, you're looking at probably paying, you know, uh, depending on the size you get, <clears throat> two and three times uh, easily the cost of a uh, circulated air hover baiter. So all things being equal, you have to look at it, you know, from from that standpoint. So you're going to clean it, you're going to dry it, you're going to make sure there's no mold in it. You're going to take the uh, wafer and uh, replace it. Uh, if you haven't replaced the snap, snap switch in your uh, in your uh, hover bait or incubator, uh, you're going to consider doing it or or keep an extra on hand. Um, you're going to check that fan motor out and make sure that it's turning properly. It's not binding. Uh, that's not making any excessive noise. Uh, that the airflow seems to be the same as you've always remembered it to be. Okay. One of the things that I think is is important here, and I'll stop just a second to take take this opportunity to uh, to say this, um, all of these things come with instructions, and uh, it may behoove you to uh, and, and be wise to just get those instructions out. Yeah, I know you've been doing it for ten years, okay, but it doesn't hurt to brush up on some of the uh, aspects of the machine, some of the performance uh, characteristics. They're all there. And if you don't have the directions, you can go to their website and you can get them. Okay, um, you know we we sell some of the uh, GQF incubators and and, and so on. And, and um, I just recently uh, uh, went through uh, the, the the Genesis model. It's one of the newer ones, and I'm not as overly familiar with it. And read some of the material stuff. I was quite impressed with the amount of material that they gave you. Uh, you know about the hatching process, how to get the, the best performance out of that machine. So you should be reading those things. You should be adhering to those things because they're the ones that have done the testing on it. That's how those those things are formulated. That's how those that paperwork came about. So it would make sense to you, to me, to 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 go and get the uh, the paperwork out and uh, and read it. And uh, uh, from my perspective, keeping your incubator in in uh, tip-top shape is no different than your car. You want your car to start every morning when you come out. Uh, maybe you better take care of the battery. Maybe you better clean off the battery terminals. You know, maybe you better keep the gas tank full and 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 so on and so forth. Same thing with this stuff. I mean, it, it's it's always when you least expect it and the most inopportune moment. Okay, when this stuff will fail on you. When you've got that uh, special batch of eggs in there that you've been waiting on all summer long, and now you've got uh, your best breeders are kicking in, and you're looking for this particular. Uh, uh, variety coming out of this particular pen, and you, you've got them in a machine, and uh, you go out for the day to work, and you come home, and the thing's off all day, or spike the temperature up, or the, the fan isn't turning, or the turner isn't turning. And for those of you that have a, have a turner, the, the, uh, whether it's the uh, uh, the big cabinet incubators or the smaller styrofoams, you know you need to check these out. You make sure uh, uh, that those. Uh, uh, those machines, the bigger machines, have, have uh, switches. Uh, that you need to make sure that uh, that they're all working properly, uh, that uh, all of these things are, are um, uh, just totally clean and and functioning. And again, I would let it I would let it let it go for a, a week <clears throat> to prove to me that after sitting, uh, you know, over most of the winter, if they, if you're not hatching year round, that uh, you know the machine is is up and running and in good shape, and you'd be checking your temperature, and you could uh, even check some some humidity and, and play around with uh, with the humidity and get used to it all over again, so that you get all of these things and all these parameters uh, adjusted and adjusted the way you want them to. Sure, it's going to change when you put eggs in it a little bit, but still, in all, one of the biggest <clears throat> one of the biggest um, um, failures of incubators is that thermostat system. Okay, you very rarely will hear somebody say. You know that the uh, that the fan quit, but you almost always hear somebody say that the thermostat quit in one way, shape, form, or another. So, you know, you can you can prevent it. You can keep the extra part on hand. Uh, there are things that you can do. Um, some, you know, you might keep a spare incubator, and um, uh, one of the ways of doing that is uh, GQF does make a uh, 12 volt and. Uh, that can be uh, with an adapter. Can be hooked to your car battery, so you could put it in, start your car, put it on the front seat of your car, run the cable out to the battery, and voila, your eggs are going to be fine. So there are a number of things you can do. You just have to be willing and wanting to to uh, to do that. Okay. 
Um, so you're going to check your turner. If you've got a big uh, uh, cabinet incubator, you're going to check the fan blades that are on the fan uh, as well. Yeah, you want to make sure there's no leftover down from, uh, or anything from previous hatches. And you want to make sure everything is moving smoothly. Um, when you turn the, the, the fan on those big cabinet incubators and such, you want to make sure that there, you know, that there's no uh, uh, rough spots in it when you turn. It should be very smooth. shouldn't make any noise. Uh, shouldn't make any noise when you first start it up. shouldn't make any noise when you shut it off and you're checking to start and stop. Uh, you know, all, all of those things. And, you know, checking the, uh, the, the turner to make sure it's turning every hour like it's supposed to. Um, you know, all of this goes uh, a, a long way to... Uh, to giving you a good uh, hatch, uh, a good hatch rate, and good quality chicks. Because I, I've said this to you folks before, anybody can hatch them. You, you can make your oven and ha an incubator if, you, if you've got the time and the effort and, and, and such. But uh, you can hatch them. Just about anybody can hatch them. But can you hatch good uh, quality chicks, something that's not going to be a hassle for you down the road. Um, and uh, so if you've got any of these uh, abnormalities going on with the thermostat, with the uh, fan motor, uh, turner, uh, the incubator wafer, the snap switch, uh, you, you know, now's the time to get, you know, get on it and get those things straightened out. You want to check your power cord. It's another thing you want to check. Uh, it's, you know, some of these older incubators, um, you know, they're frayed, um, got a cut in it that you didn't see. Get all those things taken care of uh, ahead of time so that you're not out there uh, wasting your time and putting good hatching eggs in and getting nothing out of it. But uh, you know all of these things you know, you know, need to be you know, taken care of, uh, and then uh, you'll be in a good position to put your eggs in and, and get rolling and and uh, get down the road with it and get all the chicks out of it that you can. Andy, do you want to take a break at this point? Yeah, we can do that. That'll be perfectly fine. Great okay. uh, opportunity, great information. And I was going to mention about the um, the GQF model that can be plugged into the uh, car. You know, it seems like. Every year, I've already seen it this year with power outages, with the storms coming through, and and people uh, actually have a loaded incubator and like, oh, what do I do? Or you know, wrap towels around it. You know, how can I? You know, and and then um, someone uh, always with a post says, oh, mine comes with a, a connector. I can plug it right into my car. I, I specifically got that unit because the power around here always seems to go out. So that's that's a great option. Glad you mentioned that. But um, yeah, we will definitely take a break and we'll come back. Uh, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Visit them online, check out all the great stuff that they have. And speaking of incubators, we'll start off the break with an ad from Brincy. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialist. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy. Technology you can trust. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Water the easy way. Learn more now, you can't go wrong. 
pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg's should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. like a job for super chicken you get the super sauce i'll don my super suit hi thank you very much for staying with us today on backyard poultry with the chicken whisperer our guest today being monday of course is peter brown also known as the chicken doctor founder of first state vet supply.com all righty peter i will uh, turn it back over to you my friend yeah, okay. Um, so I want to move on a little bit from the uh, taking care of the incubator. I don't want to beat it to death. Uh, I think people got the idea of, you know, what they need to do. Um, the the uh, the next thing, and, and we'll we'll leave off, I guess, top of the hour or whatever, and we'll pick up here next week at, at, the, at the rest of it because it's a little bit of a long subject. But um, I think that... Uh, and, and we said a lot of this on the show before, but this is kind of a, a more of a review of, of all of these different topics uh, rolled into one. So uh, I think it's important to understand that um, the incubation process for a, for a, a chick is uh, is longer than 21 days. It really starts uh, the incubation process uh, starts at the time of conception uh, inside of the of the, of the hen uh, before the egg is even laid. And so therein lies part of the problem because people don't really uh, look at it that way. Um, if I had a nickel for every time somebody's moaning and groaning about the fact that they got uh, shipped eggs that won't hatch and, and everything else, uh, uh, it, uh, it just behooves me to understand why people can't understand why these eggs don't hatch very well. I'll give you an example. Um, one of the major reasons uh, that these eggs don't hatch is that when you get these eggs from from the birds, like I said, it's already an embryo developing in that egg. Um, so when when that egg is not handled properly, and the temperature is allowed to uh, rise uh, abnormally uh, to uh, above room temperature um, or below uh, the other way too far. 
So uh, and then so you're outside and it's freezing cold today and you're collecting hatching eggs, and if you're not out there um, every couple of three hours, depending on how cold it is, and picking up whatever eggs. Most people after a while will know when the majority of their birds are going to lay their eggs. Okay, because it's usually most birds, not all, but most birds lay at the same time of the day, pretty much every day. So you get a pretty good idea when you get the majority of your eggs, and there may be a few stragglers, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, that will lay their eggs uh, out of sequence in, in relation to, to when, when they used to do it before. The longer they're out there in, in these different types of conditions, whether it be cold, whether it be hot, uh, and, and that kind of thing, the egg itself starts to deteriorate through evaporation. Okay, the coldness doesn't necessarily make it evaporate, but it puts an undue stress on that embryo that is developing because it's cold. You know, once you get below about 55 degrees, uh, it's starting to, to have a, a detrimental effect on those, uh, those embryos. And uh, so it's this starting and stopping, starting and stopping, you see, of the embryo growth. You're speeding it up. As the temperature rises, the embryo starts to grow faster. That's why we incubate at 100 degrees, okay? So as that temperature drops down, then that embryo starts to slow down as far as its progression and, and, and development is concerned. The more you do that, the, the greater the risk for embryo mortality. The other thing that you have is that when you're buying eggs from, from a, a, a breeder or anybody, it doesn't matter, I don't care who it is, where it is, off Craigslist or some other place, the age of those eggs is critical. If you're buying eggs from a person who has um, six breeders, and most people don't know how many breeders the person has they're buying from, because somebody says, well, I've got a dozen hatching eggs for sale, and they're this, that, and the other, and you need them or you want them, and they've got them, and, but you haven't got a clue as to how old they are. Of course, they're going to tell you they're fresh. They may not even realize themselves that that first egg that they put in that dozen egg carton is the oldest egg in the box. And if they've only got a half a dozen breeders and they're not all laying every day like little egg-laying machines, which a lot of birds do and a lot of birds don't, it may take them 10 days, two weeks to get a whole dozen eggs. Certainly going to take a week. So when you, when you look at these things, those eggs then are evaporating. The moisture is being lost through the shell, and then guess what? There isn't enough albumin in the egg to stop the sloshing around. And what happens to eggs when you slosh them around? They die. I mean, I know around here we've got these uh, invasive species, I think they're mute swans, coming in and taking over a lot of different areas. And what they do is they let them lay their eggs, and they go in and there, and the, the uh, Department of Natural Resources go in, they pick them up, and they give them a real good shake, stand or shake them for about a minute and put them back in the nest. It won't hatch. So the same thing, I mean, when you, you know, if you think that, that when you put your eggs in, in the best of containers and put it in the, in the best of boxes and drop it off at FedEx or UPS or wherever you're shipping it from, that they're going to take your eggs and hold them upright and all the way across the country to where they're going, think again. I mean, it's a mass mailing thing. It's just like dropping a letter in a letterbox, you know. And uh, so you have to take all of these things into consideration. And um, here's, here's another thing to think about, Okay. There are times when you shouldn't even be candling these eggs. So if you have an egg that is uh, in that dozen eggs and it's at least four days old, it's detrimental to even handle it at four days. Okay? So, you know, there are, there are particular times during that cycle of, of, of these eggs uh, after they're laid to not be monkeying with them. And this is where a lot of this excessive uh, embryo mortality comes from. This is where the shipped egg mortality comes from. Uh, they're not made to be shipped. The fact that they, you're able to do it is a blessing. And however they come out at the other end usually bodes to the, the quality of the, of the breeding stock. Uh, some of the things that we were talking about before, have they taken care of them? Are those embryos uh, even really good, strong embryos? Are, are the breeders young enough? Uh, uh, you know they're not antique, but they're uh, um, you know they're they're a younger breeding stock, which is going to give you more robust chick as a general rule. Okay, 
uh, all of these things come into play. So when you get these eggs shipped into you, you don't know what you're getting. You just don't know. And somebody that has a large breeding flock and is shipping you eggs that are uh, just a few days old, the chances of those eggs hatching are much, much better than somebody who has just a few birds and is trying to get a dozen eggs together so they can sell them to you for 60 bucks or whatever. So you have to take all these things into consideration. It just, you know, I want to laugh and roll around on the floor and people say, oh, I'm so disappointed the eggs didn't hatch. <laughs> you know, shouldn't expect it in the first place. You hatch one out of it, it's a bonus. If you hatch them all, it's a home run. But people just don't understand that, and it's it's extremely important to understand that that embryo started to develop. So it really takes 22 days for an embryo to develop into a full-grown chick. You just don't think of it in that way. And when you don't think of it in that way, that's where all this embryo mortality starts because you're not taking care of the egg from the get-go. So you, you need to give them the utmost of care right from the get-go. When you pick them up and you bring them in the house, they shouldn't be shocked into temperature changes. Uh, the temperature changes should be uh, uh, gradual. And if you uh, are going to hold them long-term, then you want to bring them down to uh, uh, 55, 58 degrees. Uh, anything below 60 will uh, arrest the uh, embryo developments to the, to the point where uh, they're kind of like in a suspended animation. They're growing, but it's extremely slow. Uh, and your handling of them at, at that uh, stage uh, is not going to be that detrimental to them. Uh, but this this thing of, of, of thinking that you can you know uh, uh, get these eggs shipped clear across the country and, and halfway around the world and uh, you know that they're um, that they're going to be uh, all hatching uh, probably not going to be so much. Um, so <clears throat> the other one of the other things that you're going to want to do too while we're talking about collecting hatching eggs and that kind of thing is uh, it's extremely important that. Uh, uh, that you keep clean nest boxes. Um, if you've got birds that uh, don't want to use the nest box, uh, it would be to your advantage to uh, uh, provide an area where the uh, bedding material is at least clean for them to go and, and lay their eggs. Um, I know some of these smaller breeds don't like to roost, silkies don't like to roost, and most of them are, are on the floor. Uh, but if you can get them to go in the nest box and keep that nest box clean, it makes your life easier, makes the uh, the uh, bacterial contamination of the incubator a lot less, a lot less chance for uh, for problems to uh, to crop up and uh, and uh, become issues uh, for you. Uh, so it, it just makes good sense to uh, pick the eggs up regularly, uh, all day long, summer, winter, fall, doesn't matter, uh, and get them into an environment where they're slowly uh, being brought down to a, a lower temperature. Uh, and at the same time, uh, you don't want to be drying these eggs out, so you want to try to keep the humidity factor up. Okay. And uh, but you know, the the handling of the eggs it, it should be uh, you know we we make fun of of the of the, of the fact sometimes of uh, having a conversation about something sensitive and walking on eggs. Well, this this is the same thing. Okay. You you want this to be. Uh, like walking on eggs. You want to be taking care of them. You want to be uh, uh, watching out for them, uh, not banging them around and, and that kind of thing. The, the, the gentler you handle them and the better you control the temperature, uh, the better off you're going to be. Uh, the humidity, relative humidity, right around 50-55% is good uh, when you uh, intend to hold eggs. Um, when, you, uh, when you start getting... Uh, Low humidity and, and higher temperatures, the uh, embryos have a tendency to lose more moisture. Uh, and if you're shipping them, uh, this makes for more sloppiness inside of the egg. And uh, eggs that get shipped like that have a tendency uh, to, uh, you know, break the air cell uh, and uh, uh, less have less of an opportunity uh, to uh, to to hatch. Uh, keeping the nest boxes clean uh, again, this will help you prevent these. Uh, what we used to call poppers, exploding eggs, call them what you want. It's loaded with bacteria. Uh, don't forget, when that chick lays that egg, a chicken lays that egg, uh, that egg's still going to be wet until that uh, ovomucin that's on that egg, what some people call the cuticle or, or the bloom, until that dries, uh, that egg is extremely susceptible. Uh, you can't see it, but if you were able to look at the uh, eggshell under a microscope, you'd see that it's quite porous. Okay? So that's... Uh, that's one of the things that, that you want to, you know, bear in mind. So we're going to 
make sure we keep the nest boxes clean. We're going to pick the eggs up. We're not going to shock these eggs uh, with temperature either high or low. Uh, we're going to keep the humidity uh, somewhere around 50, 55% relative humidity. Uh, we want to keep the temperature for holding purposes uh, 55, no, no more than 60 degrees. Um, and uh, you should have uh, you know, good viable uh, embryos to, uh, uh, you know, to, to hatch out of, the, out of those eggs. But uh, and then you know keeping the nest boxes clean going to going to go a long way to uh, pr producing a real good uh, healthy uh, chick at the end of the day. Andy, did you want to run longer than three? It's completely uh, up to you. I want the information out there, and you know you kind of got an outline, and um, just want to make sure all the information is relayed that you wanted to share with folks. We've got officially uh, airtime until three thirty, but. Um, I, I want to make sure that if we go too long, a lot of people have to break away. So uh, sometimes uh, an average link shows better for our listeners, but I don't want to discount them uh, if there's more information you feel pertinent to the topic. Yeah, I think if you, if you want, we can you know we can pick this up here next week. It's a good starting point, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about ha handling eggs and. and uh, and then get into the uh, the beginnings of the incubation process. Uh, I'd like to go into uh, what you're able to see at different ages of, of incubation, as far as the eggs are concerned. So uh, mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. you know, rather than rather than get into that, um, you know, I only probably have another three or four minutes of of talking about the eggs and, and the basic incubation, and running into uh, getting into you know what's 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 what are you going to be able to see at day one, two, three, four, five, six, and sure. next day. To me, that's kind of cool. I kind of like that stuff. So, uh, yeah, no problem. We we'll spend a lot of time on that because a lot of people need to know what what to look for and what yeah. day they're going to be able to see what. So that sounds yeah. like. And a I'll great go all over topic. the days you need to stay away from them and the rhyme and reason why and, and all of that kind of stuff. So if you want to start next week's show, and if we run longer next week, it doesn't matter either. No, that sounds perfectly fine. Sounds like a plan uh, to me. Anything else you wanted to wrap up for today? Uh, no, I I just think that you know. Um, I think people need to be aware of this avian influenza thing. It's still out there. There are still outbreaks. Mm -hmm. um, just be cognizant of it in your own area. Just because it's on the West Coast doesn't mean it couldn't happen here. So uh, keep your biosecurity up and uh, uh, keep that disinfectant pan clean. And, and don't let anybody in. I mean, it's just um, if you're buying eggs or buying chickens from somewhere, by God, know where they're coming from. And, and don't buy into that thing just because they're NPIP. Uh, it's, it's really not. Uh, it's good. I don't want to poo-poo it. It's good. It's been around a long time. It's served everybody well, but testing them once a year and uh, and just being chlorine-free doesn't mean that you're free of all the other pathogens that they're able to test for. And you know, part of the problem is not all states are willing to do the testing. You know, for the avian influenza and and for the MGMS. So it is difficult for some people who really want to do it that can't get their state to cooperate. And I think that's a shame. Yeah, I'm dealing right now. In fact, I'm uh, uh, getting ready as soon as we go off the air to return an email to uh, a coop tour. Um, the Atlanta coop tour has been gone on for several years. Mm -hmm. Back when I was a little bit involved with it, um, I sent out a mass email to everybody on the tour and the, and the um, organizers about biosecurity and what I would recommend and things like that. It kind of fell on deaf ears, so they reached out to me again this year to donate something or send magazines again. <laughs> And, I'm, and I took it to one step further, saying, well, I'd like to be involved, but I'd like to know what y'all are doing for biosecurity. And uh, she did send me some information back. Uh, a lot of it is typical, oh, we've never had a problem in four, five, six years, whatever it is. So, you know, it's, it's you know, that type of thing. Yeah. You know, it needs to happen once, and your entire flock's dead. So <laughs> um, telling her, you know, that people need to take this a little more serious. Um, she said, you know, it was mentioned about wearing booties and, Everybody seemed to frown on that. Thought it was overkill. Well, it's going to be overkill when all their flock is dead. Uh, if they get, you know, start start spreading disease. So, you know, again, I don't know the numbers. I don't know the, the the total risk involved. There is risk. They do need to practice better biosecurity. My biggest issue is, look, you know, you want to promote backyard poultry. You want to educate. I get that. <clears throat> people do not to be do not need these. these a thousand people do not to be do not need to be walking in your run and in your coop to see what it's all about. You know, to have yep. them come in your backyard, that's one thing. Um, but 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 to have have a, have a line um, uh, up where, as far as they can they can get, and that's it. And then they go to the next group, the next group. They do not need to be walking in your run. They don't need to be handling the birds. They don't need to be in your coop. 
if you want to have if you have a really cool coupe and they want to see inside, have some pictures. Have a picture album back here behind this line. They can walk up. They can see the run. They can see the coupe. They can see everything you need to see. But if there's something inside you think special, have a few pictures for them to look at. But keep them out of your run and out of your coupe. They don't need to be picking up every single bird you have because it's so cute and cuddly. Um, so that's kind of what I'm going to try to reinforce. Um, everything else that they claim they're doing look pretty good. Uh, but I'm going to add that as well. You know, you really, there's no need for these people to be walking to the run in the coop and handling all these birds. You know, house after house after house after house. They can see everything they need. You can educate them. They can get an idea. They can talk to the owner. They can see pictures. But just, you know, I, I would recommend keep them out of the coop and run. If, you know, if there's, no matter what we say, you know, it's, it's going to go and, and then it's fine. But um, they, I think they need to do make you a little bit more and eliminate people walking in the coop and run and handling birds place after place after place. Just not needed. Based on I, your I goal, think, for yeah, I think that you know, um, and, and I don't know what the quality of, the, of these people's yards and coops and stuff are, <laughs> but I can just tell you from years of being on Facebook and seeing what people portray uh, as their their coop and their run, um, it makes me nervous. Um, you know, and I, I don't mean to be mean or, or anything. I just be I'm realistic. Um, you know. Uh, we don't let anybody in here, not that we have that many people banging on the door wanting to come in, but uh, when we're not here, um, see, I don't even want people to see my chickens, okay? You see that? You see that? That's I go to the other extreme. Granted, you're not supposed to have chickens here. That's not the, the big issue. I don't want them seeing them. I don't want them stopping by the fence because I live on a corner, okay? So I don't want them coming on my property and, and, and jabbing at the chickens and all that kind of stuff. I don't want it. So mine are behind a six-foot stockade fence. And when we go, uh, when we're not out there, uh, you know, there's a padlock on the gate, and that's it. You know, and uh, when the birds are in at night in their in their coop itself, uh, then they're they're locked in there. And, and there's there's two doors. We have a pop hole door with a lock on it, and then we've got a, a regular uh, walk-in door with a, a lock on it. And then we've got two side doors that are like barn doors that open, and uh, that's locked as well. So, I mean, you know. Uh, it, the whole object of it is not to let anybody in. I don't want anybody here, period. And, you know, people say mm-hmm. to me, oh, you know, you're, you're, what do you do for your chickens? Don't do anything. I leave them alone. Feed them, water them, take good care of them. Got plenty of room, plenty of space, and I keep people out. And we do, uh, you know, uh, I mean, look, look, people are the biggest spreaders of disease that there is. Mm-hmm. Anywhere, whether it's whether it's chickens, whether it's human disease or anything else. You, you, everybody knows that. Okay, just look at this measles outbreak. I don't care if you believe in vaccinating or not. My point is, just look at it now. Now you got a hundred and something people spreading all over the place because this one isn't vaccinated, this one is, and and so on. And who's the reservoir for this? This isn't a chicken deal. This is a human deal. How many people you got? You know, I mean, so uh, it, it's a huge issue when when you when you start looking at it. And um, the same thing goes, uh, you know, for the for the backyard situation. And the same thing with with this thing here. I, I would never participate in a. I wouldn't even go on it, let alone let them come on my property. As far as a coop tour is concerned, just not necessary. And we're seeing around the world more and more and more of the avian influenza. It's, in my opinion, and it may take some time to do this, but it, one of these days it's going to come back and bite somebody big time all around, and it's not going to be funny. And. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a killer for the economy here in this country. Yeah, and everybody's so quick to um, blame the commercial blocks, but take this this current outbreak right now. Um, it's it's got one commercial block. Uh, a uh, I think it was Foster's Farms Turkey Farm in California, but all the other findings in the U.S. were backyard hobby blocks um, with this with this AI that's the high path avian influenza that's going on right this second. Yep. So uh, you know, people are quick to blame, and they did this. They're like. You know, people feel, even the email I got from the tour was, you know, people feel that it's the commercial farms that are spreading disease, blah, 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 blah. And that the backyard has better husbandry and better, you know, and, um, you know, of course, as Bridget, Bridget McRae would say, prove it. You know, show, show me where you've, you know, test your birds as often as they do in the commercial town. Show me where, you know, things like that. And you feel like they're cute. Probably even gives some mealworms and they have a little cute, uh, you know, little coop. Then they're out there every day that they have healthier birds. But, you know, it's, it's just when people listen to the show long enough to know where I stand on backyard poultry. But um, it's just one of those things. I'll be replying to that email after the show today. So, like I said, biosecurity is very, very important. You know, back in the day, you know, 10 years ago, 
I would say something about last year, what's that? Now I'm seeing a little bit more of that term used on some blogs and on some forums, and, and uh, you know, they're starting to have be some articles uh, in some of these places where, and, you know, you need to think about this. And like you say, that some people still poo-poo it, um, but I think more and more people, and it just takes some time before it gets to be an everyday you know, household word, word uh, or term for people who back backyard poultry. You know, security is very important. So, but uh, hey, I'm gonna let you run. And a uh, great show today. We appreciate it. We'll start back next Monday with uh, some more uh, um, incubation readiness and talking about the egg and candling and what to see when we're gonna see it, what day and when not to, and when when to do it. So uh, hey, thanks for joining us today. Great information as always, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Okay, we'll see you. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. All right, that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We thank you very much for tuning in today. We do appreciate it. Visit us online, chickenwhisperer.com, and uh, go register and win that awesome chicken coop from urbancoopcompany.com. And as always, the show is brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. We appreciate their participation and their premier sponsorship. I will be touring with them coming up this spring. Looking forward to it. So have a great day, everybody. Take care and God bless. Oh.